Hallelujah. All right, let's get into it. During the worship, I almost was yelling to Lisa, tag me in, tag me in. I'm ready to go. We had a great men's breakfast yesterday. Uh, if you weren't here, we're going to have one in months to come. And let me tell you, it was great food and great fellowship. I know the ladies have a ladies retreat coming up, and, and they're pretty excited about that if you're going to that. Make sure your husband has a refrigerator stocked of food and all that good stuff. Well, let's go ahead and pray and we'll start. Father, thank you for the opportunity to get into your word. And Father, in hearing your word, Father, we get understanding. We get uh, revelation. The, the uh, knowledge of your word gives us life to the full, an abundant life that we all desire. Father, we thank you for the ability to to your word to guide us and direct us. In your name we pray, amen. We've been going through this series, and let me just again quickly bring this up, and, and because we're going to have a time and at the end of the service to have the Lord's Supper, I'm, I'm going to move pretty fast. So, so you want to dance. Here we go. We're going to go through this pretty quick. Uh, if you have your phones, you might want to take pictures. Uh, if you have a notepad, write these things down, and, and it's life-changing as we've been building on this. Remember, the, the first part of the series was, who is God? Because a lot of people have their opinion of who God is based on their own experience. But God says who He is in the Word of God, the Bible. You've heard of that before, right? All right, the Scripture says God is love, that He doesn't just have love, but He is love. And when you start putting that in perspective, some of you have a belief system. Remember, we all have a belief system that is uh, that we make choices out of, and out of those choices puts us in experiences, and those experiences will confirm or contradict, counterdict what what we actually believe, and it'll change our belief system, or it will again uh, confirm it. So this morning, I want you to see this: is when you hear that God is love, sometimes we get this. Uh, 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 well, but he is a God of judgment, and he's, he, he's, let that go. We went into the, the whole background of that. Then, then the second part of the series was, who does God say that you are? Now again, there, there's people that are standing in line to tell you who you are. Can I get an Amen. David had his brother, you know, let me tell you, buddy, who you are. But you have to decide if the Word of God is the Word of God, and it is truth, then we go to the Word of God and allow the Word of God to speak into our identity of who we are. Now, again, all the things that we can define, God saying who we are as overcomers in this world and all, I wanted you to remember this is as important as it can be, is you are the righteousness in Christ Jesus. And when you start meditating on that day in and day out, you'll get over that you're not tall enough, short enough, you're not big enough, you're not skinny enough, you're not pretty enough, you know, whatever. Now we're in this part of the series that I, I told you that we were coming to called the authority of the believer. If, if you have a belief system that you do not know who you are and who God is, you're kind of like the guy that answered the phone at his work 
And the person on the phone said, I want to speak to someone with a little authority over there. And he says, you got the right person. I got about the littlest authority than anybody. Or you talk to people and they say, well, I'm doing pretty good under the circumstances. What are you doing under the circumstances? So when you're talking about the authority of the believer of who you are in Christ Jesus, that our belief system has been based on experience. Now watch this. Ooh. And I've got to fight it. I'm, I'm, I've been guilty of this. And, and mm, is our belief system will put us in a place of making choices that, listen, are predictable, they're comfortable, they're familiar. But they're not the Word of God. And what we do is then we take a step and out of those, they were predictable. And it confirms what we've been told and believe in our heart. Okay. This morning, allow your belief system to be challenged. And if you're not... uh, if you're not careful, when your belief system is challenged, remember, we, we kind of had that illustration of the monkey on the back and it's fear and, and, and you, you kind of get uneasy, but it's okay. You're around people that love you today, so don't throw any stones. That's why we brought all, took all the stones out of the pews and chairs. <laughs> and don't run away. We didn't lock the door, but I thought about it, but don't, don't run away. Again, when your belief system is challenged, this is what church people, good church people, this is what John Miller will do if I'm not careful. I'll I'll live a lot of my life preaching to myself on the sin of, let's say, commission or submission that I'm not going to sin. I'm not going to do the bad things. And my belief system is based on that totally, or at least a large majority. But there's another part that, listen, is called the sin of omission of the things that we know we should do, but we're just not doing. Our our belief system has been based on just don't do that, don't do that, don't do that, so we really don't do anything. I don't smoke, I don't chew, I don't run with the girls that do. You know what I mean? (laughs) I don't, 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 don't. But the Bible is a full of a book of seed, which is things that we are to do and things that will bring life to us if we allow the Holy Spirit to be able to speak to us and build a belief system based on the Word of God and not our own experiences. This morning, I'm going to be talking about the next... We talked about how Adam and Eve was in the garden and God had given them everything and even the psalmist said, Who is man, God? That you're mindful of him. That you made him a little lower than God. First time I heard that, my belief system went... I like the translation, made him a little lower than angels. But if you go back, Eliam is God's. And God has loved us so much that he put us on paradise in the garden. And he said... You have everything. You have dominion over this planet. 
The Bible says that the heavens belong to God, but He has given the earth to the man and their and his children. So, so watch this as as. The enemy came into the garden, and we know that God had given him a man a dominion over every creeping thing and everything and all the life, everything. Dominion over the earth. But a creepy thing came into the garden and tempted them by eating the fruit. Their eyes were open, and now the enemy, Satan, had been given the authority of this planet. God, already making man, said, you have dominion. So think about this. When sin came into this world, it really put a division between man and God. And from that point in the garden where God made a prophetic statement that says, uh, that you might have bruised his heel, but he's going to crush your head. Talking about prophetically Jesus coming and defeating the enemy. You can see from the garden until the crucifixion and the resurrection that that power was in motion for us. We talked about how God then would come in and make covenants with men. Again, giving what his word would be that man had dominion. Now I'm going to work through man. Last week we talked about Noah. And how sin had come into the world so much that through the flood, again, God corrected the situation. Then the Tower of Babel where there was again so much wickedness that was coming into the world. Because again, man had given dominion over to the enemy. Now this morning, this is a powerful passage of scripture. And we've talked about the covenant of Abraham. If you were here, it was in June around the time that we honored the graduates. And, and I had up here salt and we talked about the covenant. And we talked about the, the, the glass of, and we talked, yeah, okay. But I'm going to go a different way today in some regards to show you this covenant that God comes in and makes with Abraham. Again, we're going to dance pretty quick through this. So look at Genesis chapter 12. It said that the Lord had said to Abram, Again, at this time, his name is Abram, exalted or uh, father. That, that's what Abram is. Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. In other words, get out of your father's belief system. They, they were devil worshipers, idol worshipers. I want you to move out of there. Now, there's going to be some, you, you know as well as me, when you move and you change, it's a fear of the unknown of where, 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 where am I going, God? I'll show you. Where I want you to go. In verse 2 it says, I will make you into a great nation. And I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing. Did you hear that? Sometimes when we think that uh, all of the, the blessing and good stuff of life. Yeah, I'll accept that I will bless you and I'll make your name great. But then we go, and you will be a blessing. What now? Whoa, 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 whoa. God says, there's a purpose for this. And that is for you to be a blessing. And in verse number 3 it says, I will bless those who bless you. Did, did you hear that? That's pretty amazing when you begin to look and, and let your belief system be challenged by when people come to bless you, being a part of this covenant. And, and we'll get into that. You say, well, I thought this was for Abraham. But if, if you go all the way real quick, I'll just quickly go to Galatians chapter 3 in the New Testament that says that the blessing that came on Abraham now comes unto the Gentile. That's you and I. But I want you to see this because it says, I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse, and all people on earth will be blessed through you. Now, God is making a promise to Abram 
I'll bless those that bless you. America has been blessed today because we have blessed Israel. And nations that come against Israel will be cursed. Well, Pastor, I don't know if I like that opinion. You don't like the Word of God then. Okay. I'm fired up. When I think about the... Man, let me tell you, I get going on that song, huh? Good job, Lisa and Kristen. Man, you got... And all the worship team. It goes then to verse 4. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. And Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years of age. He set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarah's nephew Lot and all the possessions that they accumulated and the people that they had acquired in Haran and they set out for the land of Canaan and they arrived there. Now, now this is a big change in the world and in history that a lot of people didn't even know what was going on. But because of Abram's obedience, there is going to be things that will have a ripple effect throughout history and affect you that is sitting here today. Do you know that our belief system, and let me tell you, that a lot of times when we realize that our lives have been changed because of something and you're not aware of it, you know, faith is, is uh, being sure of the things we hope for and certain of the things we do not see. There's a, we talk about having a hope picture. And that's what worship a lot of times is. And as we sang that song, when I began to think, what is that doing? You're getting a picture, and all of a sudden, through that revelation of that picture, you begin to praise God. Oh, God, thank you. So realize that when you get this knowledge in the Word of God, it brings revelation. When you think back on today, it should paint a picture of God. I am so appreciative of what you've done for me. See, some of us have heard the story of Abraham, but that's where it goes. No children, one child, all right for him. See, a lot of us have been raised in the church. Do you, do you realize that there, there, there is a track through history and, and when the outpouring of the Lord happened in, in Azusa Street. Now, I'm just giving you a little, little history here. In 1906, there was a revival that broke out that affected the world. And through that revival, the, the church, in one of the churches, the, the movements was the Assembly of God. And what happened was that ripple effect went throughout the whole nation and the world. And within a just, I mean, a short period of time, like five or ten years, every town that had 30,000 and more had one of these Pentecostal churches in it. Do you know that the revival started in an African Methodist Episcopal church by a one-eyed black man? Do you know how many belief systems had to be challenged for that to happen? In California. <laughs> but all of a sudden, what we call the Pentecostal movement, that the people that walked in faith, instead of just the revelation of salvation, which is nothing wrong, that is everything, but it's not all that God has promised us. 
All of a sudden, there was a group of people that began to spread throughout the world that believed that God's Word, the whole Word of God, was active and alive, working in our lives every day. Out of that that movement, there wasn't just the Assembly of God, but there was a Church of God. There was a Pentecostal holiness. There was a Pentecostal uh, Church of God. There were all these Pentecostal churches. And now, because, you know, it's not... To put your name on it, you know, a denomination or a movement, then then it's independent, but they're charismatic. Some of the larger churches in town, Milestone is a charismatic Pentecostal church. Gateway is a Pentecostal charismatic church. But because they allowed the Holy Spirit to come into their lives at 1906... In a place that nobody, the ripple effect is because this church is here and you're being encouraged today because of it. Allow revelation to come into your life that will not just be going, well, that's good. But then you begin to sing when I think about all the things, God, you've done in my life. If you go through Genesis in chapter 14, we see that Abram is out here and he's, he's traveling and his, his uh, nephew Lot is separated. He falls into bad things and, and uh, five kings come down to, to just conquer the, the area and they take Lot and his family and everything captive. Abraham, having 300 and some men in his family that were born in his family, goes out and whoops the kings. I mean, it's amazing how he is being blessed. And God shows up on the scene later. And if you look at it, chapter 15, we're running out of time, so I'm going to summarize this. God talks to Abraham again through a ceremony of a covenant. I'm going to cut covenant with you. And if you know that passage, let me just kind of summarize it. Is that God said, I want you to watch this. And through this, God cut covenant with him through this ceremony at night. But then you go to chapter 17. And this chapter is called the covenant of circumcision. Now, I don't know, I'm not God, why he chose circumcision, but it was a seal that that was a covenant. Why he didn't do a back tattoo, I don't know. We're moving on. Genesis chapter 17 says this. He was 75 years, remember, old. Now he, it says... When Abram was 99, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and blameless. Then I will make my covenant between you and me and will greatly increase your number. Abraham fell face down and God said to him, As for me, listen to this, it's very important. As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. Now, almost all of us that have been in the Bible and talked about Genesis knows this passage of Scripture. The covenant is going to be more than just him being a father of many nations. But because of what is being said, it will confirm, 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 confirm to confirm to Jesus coming and dying on the cross for your sins. Watch this. A blood covenant is the most strongest of all agreements. 
Do you know that they have blood covenants all over the world in the most remote villages and tribes? And it all started with God. It was a covenant that literally meant whatever is yours and whatever they have as theirs is yours. In other words, both parties now, theirs belong to you and yours belong to them. But listen to this. Even to your life, if the other one has need of it. So that kind of changes it, doesn't it? Look at that guy with all those possessions and all that. Man, let me tell you, I'll cut covenant with him. Even if it's to the life, he demands your life because there's an emergency that calls. No, whoa, 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 whoa. let's slow up on that. Slow your roll, player. I mean, that's too much. But this is what a blood covenant is. God says, and I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed after thee in the generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. In other words, for this generations that come, for your information that's not getting that, that is you. Not just the Jewish people. Because if it was just for the Jewish people, we wouldn't need to read the Old Testament, would we? But the word of God is for us. Now listen to this. He is saying to Abram, Now Abraham, I'm establishing my covenant with you and you're going to deal with me through the covenant and I'm going to deal with you. We're going to go through this covenant. There's something about establishing a covenant. One of them is provision, but another one is protection. God says, I'm going to be your shield and guard. I'm going to, I'm going to be. God is establishing again because of the sin that blocked him from a relationship with man. The covenant now gives him the right to come back in to contradict what the Satan, the enemy, has been doing on the earth. If you look at Romans chapter 4, this is the New Testament just reflecting back on this time period. Looks into this. It says this. This was a seal of the righteousness of faith which he had. In other words, that was a sign that yes, he was doing what God had asked him to do. So here we go. Why in the world? If you've read this part of Abraham's life, he has been believing, and part of the covenant is that he would receive what? A son. They were without children. Now he's 100 years old. He's had a, prom a promise that he would get a son, and now the son is born. Now remember, the covenant is even to their lives if necessary. Even to their lives. Now listen. Abraham and God had made this agreement and what, what is amazing is there's no greater name out there to swear by. So God swore by his own name to put this covenant into place. If either God or Abraham broke the covenant, it meant death. See, God was strong enough to prove the covenant to be valid. But the question was, was Abraham capable of performing the covenant that was expected of him? 
The promised son Isaac had been born. He's 100 years of age. Can you imagine how happy he was at 100 years of age to have his son? Come on now, dads. The passage of Scripture that is mentioned here in Genesis 22 is entitled, Abraham Tested. And the word for tested is prove. Now, now listen to this, because th- this is what I want you to hear as before we go on next week. It says, sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to Abraham, here I am. He replied, that, that's what Abraham said, here I am. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him. What? Did he say sacrifice him? Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on the mountain. I will show you. Now see, this goes against people that are really, they have enough religion to be dangerous. You know what I mean? This is where their belief system gets tweaked and they go, well, I don't know about that. This is what's happening. So let me, let me just explain it to you. He says, I want you to go offer your son. And then verse 3, early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told, told him about. Now, now just... Again, because I want this to be something of that you're not missing. Abraham could have felt just like you and me. Can you just imagine how he felt that now the promised son, he has been asked to sacrifice. See, Abraham knew what a blood covenant was and how it was working and what was asked of him. He has the wood. He has the knife. He has the ability to create the fire. Now think of what he's going through when all of a sudden Isaac says, Hey, hey, Dad, <coughs> Dad, Dad, we've got everything necessary for the sacrifice, but where's the lamb? Now catch this. Abraham prophetically will say the next words that will change your life. And sometimes we've never seen it. Where's the lamb for the burnt offering, he says. Here's what Abraham spoke to his son. My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. Now come on, guys. Get into this. The deeper things of God. God is love and we'll have Christmas and there'll be baby Jesus in a manger and then Easter he'll die and be resurrected. Let's go deeper. What he is saying that one day God himself will manifest himself into a man and walk among us for the ability to be the lamb that will be slain for our sins. When I think about the Lord, when I, when I think about this, God's putting this in motion. And, and here's what happens. In verse 10 of chapter 22, it says, Abraham bound his son and laid him on the altar. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. 
But the angel of the Lord called out to him in heaven, Abraham! (laughs) Whoa! Here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy. He said, do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Verse 13, Abraham looked up and there was in the thicket he saw a ram caught by his horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. Now look at this. So Abraham called that place the Lord will provide. See again, evidently Abraham knew something of the blood covenant and what it required. Not once did he hesitate in offering his own son. But see, listen to this. And maybe you've heard this verse. But in Romans, it will clear it up by saying this. Listen, Abraham believed God. And it was accounted to him for righteousness. When Abraham, out of faith in God, knowing who God was, was willing to sacrifice his son, and God said, that's enough. It went down in history recorded that he gave his son as part of the covenant. If you look, the angel had said that, but look at the second time the angel speaks to him. In verse 15, it says, The angel of the Lord called Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your hand, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. Cricket, 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 cricket. Let me tell you. When you get understanding and knowledge of what God is saying about you, it brings revelation of not the guy that somebody has spoken over your life is you're nothing. You're 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 you don't have it. You're not as But what God is saying is, your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. You realize that when we go through a teaching time, you get revelation for later when I preach this and you've got the revelation. Woo! That's where the fire comes. Because I could tell you right now, did Jesus die for us? And you, amen. You know, you you can feel it because you got that revelation. But some of us don't know this. And so we're getting it for the first time. And I'm I'm hoping and I'm believing. And I ask God, please let them process it. Because they need to get the revelation so that later they can go, oh. When somebody goes through a a downtime in your life, and, and again, that you go, oh no. No, I'm not staying here. I can take possession of the cities of the enemies that are trying to come against me. 
And through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Now, let me, let me start landing the plane. Let, let's come to the conclusion and, and hear me. When you hear that Abraham is going to do what God said and kill his son, see, without knowing what you just heard of the confirming of the covenant, your belief system goes, I, I don't get that. Because God said, thou shalt not kill. Now, not at this time. The law isn't in effect until Moses. In Exodus, this is Genesis, but that's God's nature. Thou shalt not kill. But here's what happened. Because of his obedience, the blood covenant had to be proved. God knew that Satan could challenge it. We know that man through history could challenge the covenant between us and God, and they'd still do today. Can I just say this? And I've heard this as an illustration that kind of helps. I know it helps me. But let's say Fort Worth, and some of you know that I live off of 287 down here, and to get to the church, they don't have a north exit off of 287. You've got to go south all the way down to the next exit and take a loop and come back. So we cut through every neighborhood and up and down. So Fort Worth is going, let's just say, they're going to declare, we're going to build part of the highway that now is going to come north. But it's going to cost $10 million and anybody that wants to put a bid needs to put it in a bid down at City Hall noon on Monday. Okay? So there's contractors and, you know, excavating companies that are putting in bids and they're all around $10 because it's going to cost a lot. But there's a guy that lives down and, and he's living in a boxcar. He used to build some, uh, you know, kids' playhouses and stuff like that back in the day. And he thinks, hey, I'm not doing anything. I, I think I'm going to put in a bid. And he goes down to the city hall and he puts in a bid for $2 million. Now, he's got the lowest bid, right? But he doesn't have the ability to perform the contract. He's not bonded. He doesn't have the workers necessary and all the things. And when they find out, the contract is now void. They can't choose him. Now, now listen to this. As that is an illustration, nobody throughout history would say that God didn't have the ability to perform the contract or the covenant. But out of the two, who was the weakest? Man, Abraham. But in what we talked about today, it is accredited. It was just as if Abraham had sacrificed his son. Therefore, through the righteousness of Abraham, watch this, God called it done. But here's the thing. When God had proven, you could say it this way, in just another way, that the document to be legal that the document, the, the contract between God and Abraham was valid, that it would stand forever. And in doing that, it gave God the ability to sacrifice his son for our sins. 
if Abraham, Abraham hadn't given Isaac, I don't know if God could have given Jesus for our sins to make the covenant between God and us. Again, allowing God to come in and give us what he had promised from the beginning, the restoration and redeeming us, not back to where we were, but even better. To understand that the New Testament is a new covenant, a better covenant for us, the believer, than even the old covenant of the Old Testament because of what Jesus did on the cross. That's why when we get to the New Testament and we read passages and we go, how can I... I just don't, I don't feel like I have authority. Again, you got to come through the feelings because people can change the way you feel by saying, you don't look fat in that dress. And all of a sudden, ah, you know, emotions can get involved. We don't go by feelings. So if God says that there has been authority given to us and then we get into the New Testament and we're walking in a new covenant, we get revelation of who God is. Watch this. We read passages like Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17, and all of a sudden it pops. And Paul says to the church, he says, Ever since I've known that you've become a believer and you love God, I've been praying that you would get the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Why? So that you might know Him more. Why? That you might know and have the hope of the calling that God has called you. And here's the great thing. That you would understand that the power that is working in you is like the power that raised Christ from the dead. And all of a sudden, the authority of the believer starts, we start, what? There's power inside of me? He's called the Holy Spirit. And then we begin to read down and we begin to read passages like Ephesians chapter 3 verse 2 that says this, Now to Him who is able to do immeasurably more than you could even ask or think according to the power that is working within you. See, I believe that only, you know, the, the things of, of walking in faith of that, yes, He can loose chains, He can move mountains, but here's the good news, hello, hello, that the Word of God, Jesus says, you can speak to the mountain, be moved. And God says in, in, in Isaiah, He says, I'm sending my son. And what's He going to do? And Jesus goes into the temple. And we'll talk about this in the weeks to come. And He gets a scroll and He says, Today I've come to set the captives free. I've come to open blinded eyes and ears. I've come and it, it's going to happen. That's you. You're walking by faith and not by sight. So if God says that you have authority, begin to step into that. Begin to realize that some of the things that we've been putting up with in our life, that we've been praying, God, as soon as you move, God is saying, I've already moved. Did you read the, the New Testament? Let me tell you, did you read the Gospels? I'm Pick one of them. When I'm on the cross and I say, it is finished, I've done it. The covenant is at work, and this morning you're going to take this little cup that has juice and bread, and that's called the Lord's Supper or, or communion, fellowship. And when we do this, we believe. Some of you are going, wow, 
that makes sense. That's what we've been doing. Hopefully you've been here. This is what we've been doing, is every time we do this, we remind ourselves of what God did for us in sending His Son to die on the cross, that our sins might be forgiven, that by Him dying on the cross, that we step into the family of God as children of God. That's right, children. Adopted by God. He chose us before we chose him. And God made him that knew no sin to be sin that we might be the righteousness in Christ Jesus. Okay, worship team, come on back up. Let's do this. As we take the Lord's Supper, if you did not receive one of these, just raise your hand. There's somebody that surely will hand you one in the back. This big guy that's going in the back, don't be scared. He's giving out anybody that needs one right there. Home. Just in a few seconds, we're going to sing a song. But before that, let, let's 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 uh, take the Lord's up. I'm going to have uh, a time when Lisa prays over the bread, and Pastor Keith prays over the uh, the juice. So this morning, let's just go ahead and get into that. Go ahead and get a head start because it takes a while. today so thankful for the covenant that was made for us um, Lord for the bread that uh, it symbolizes your body today your body that was broken it was crushed on our behalf but Lord also the, the word declares that the bread is also the, the life and substance to us Lord that you supply every need because you are the bread of life you supply everything we need Lord you fill us to the full and to the overflow Thank you for that promise that you have made, that covenant that you've made with us. We will trust you, put our hope in you, that all of our needs will be supplied through you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's take the break together. Thank you, God. After he took the bread, he took the cup, and he said, this is my blood which I give for you. Before we take it, I would like Pastor Keith to pray. 
Heavenly Father, we come and we are grateful and thankful. Thankful for the price that you paid with your blood on the cross, Lord. We thank you, God, that there is power in that blood. Power, God, that met the need for uh, over sin. And God, that, that satisfied the need to be able to heal sickness. And God, that it, it has power over the brokenhearted and power over our life. And we thank you, God, that it brings life. It brings liberty, Lord Jesus. And God, we, we remember today. And we give thank you, Father. And thanks to you, Father God, for that price that you paid, God. And we just honor you today. God, in Jesus' name, we thank you. Amen. Amen. Let's take the cup together.